Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Beyond the Present Podcast. My name is Daniel Morgan, and here I'm joined live by Poojix from Toronto, Canada. Hey there, my man. How's it going? It's going excellent, man. I have to tell you, I'm actually recording this from uh, in the middle of the jungle. So oh, I hope everything goes well. Middle of the jungle? <laughs> what jungle, by the way? In Toronto or like... It's, know, uh, it, yeah, it's just outside of Toronto. It's uh, somewhere around Oshawa. Interesting. And uh, may I ask you, what the heck are you doing in a jungle? Well, just 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 going for some photos and come back soon and into this civility. All right, so it's an excursion just for the photos. <laughs> yeah, just you know, nothing having... naughty. I hope nothing naughty. I hope. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> Fantastic. Very well. And guess what, guys? We have a new guest on board for the first time. Uh, his name is Deep Prasad, and he's now here to tell us all about himself. So Deep, my man, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good. Uh, thanks for having me on, Daniel. It's wonderful to have you, Deep. So right now, go ahead and tell us more about yourself, your background, and tell, tell us, tell our listeners about yourself a little bit more. Uh, sure. Um, so I'm a Canadian tech entrepreneur. Um, I work with both quantum computers and classical supercomputers. What we're trying to do is essentially provide major speed-ups to engineering simulations, because engineering simulations take anywhere from six hours to six weeks to do. And uh, what we want to do is provide speed-ups of 100x or more, and we, yeah, what we've done is we've we've been working with large companies uh, in various um, aerospace and consumer product industries, and it mostly relies on machine learning and quantum computing for the most part, as well as uh, advanced numerical methods. Um, I, I think right sure. now I'm feeling a little bit threatened by I think your IQ here, man. What the heck is all? all I can't. So, so right now, hold on. How old are you, Deep? I'm 23. Amazing. All of this at 23, just incredible. So, tell me right now, Deep. Are you currently actually selling your uh, basically ideas, products, and patents, or currently you're in the research phase? Uh, no, we're so we're selling. Uh, we are. Uh, I can't say too much, but. Um, yeah, we're partnered with a couple of big guys and we're pretty close to having our first sort of like live, you know, pilot, uh, in, uh, that will be being developed, um, at one of these companies. Wow. And first of all, Deep, how did you get started with all this? Like, uh, what happened that you suddenly got into this huge, uh, startup in this industry at first? Like what happened? Well, I've been doing entrepreneurship, um, for a very long time. My first startup was, uh, when I was 17 and since then. I've just been trying and failing. Uh, I was also doing my undergrad in engineering at the same time. So it was very hard for, to get things off the ground. But as soon as school ended, uh, I, I started a full-time job for about four days, left, um, and then uh, went to do the whole entrepreneurship thing full-time. Um, that was about a year ago. I got funded by uh, Bloomberg and some other uh, venture firms. Oh, and, my goodness. Yeah, I've just been rolling since then. Who just told me earlier that we are talking to Deep uh, Prasada, who is this cool entrepreneur. I would have said, yeah. oh, my goodness, better yeah. prepare my lawyer here. It's unbelievable, <laughs> man. I had no idea that Deep is so cool. So, of course, this topic is not about uh, yeah, so. entrepreneurships and, and, no, entrepreneurs not at all. and all that stuff. But what I want to know right now uh, from you, basically, is if you were to describe very briefly uh, your experience as an entrepreneur and what you think makes an entrepreneur successful. Again, that's not our topic right now, but very briefly, 
because uh, you right now are a young, basically entrepreneur, and you have had you know multiple startups, a lot of great fundings. Uh, what do you think are the most important elements of success as an entrepreneur? Uh, sure, I think that's a great question, um, and it's it can end up being the billion dollar question, right? So, uh, what wow. makes uh, one thing that comes with um, you know just being really good in entrepreneurship, or what uh, the thing that will help you succeed the most is resiliency. Um, I don't know, trusting your inner voice, uh, having like a really good vision that doesn't just self-serve, uh, self it's more like uh, service to others. If you can find a mission that uh, depends on that, you're good. Amazing, truly amazing. And I'm so happy to have another entrepreneur on basically show here. Uh, obviously, today's topic isn't Cheers. so much about entrepreneurship. Of course, we'll be at, at some point, we'll have Deep back here to discuss startups at some point. You can later, of course, we'll arrange it with uh, the producer. Uh, projects, sure. but for now we will just stick with the main thing, and of course we're happy to have you. Uh, and for today, actually, our topic is rather uh, scientific, if not woohoo. And guess what? Are we going to talk about today? That's right, UFOs. That's right. And no, we're not talking about you, motherfuckers. We're talking about UFOs, <laughs> unidentified flying objects. And guess what? Today, that's our topic. So first of all, let me start off with Pujix here. Pujix. Before we get into this whole uh, notion of discussing the various aspects of UFOs, I would like to just start off with a basic, simple history of UFOs. And uh, I'd like to actually go ahead and tell us a brief history of the whole UFO thing. Yeah, so I mean, I'm not really, my extent of my knowledge is super limited on, on this subject. And Deep is going to fill all the blanks and correct me wherever I'm wrong, which I'm become, because I'm sure I'm going to be wrong. But the... The public conversation, at least around UFOs, started um, some sometime, if I'm not mistaken, post World War II. Absolutely. And uh, okay, great. I get this right. First one, great. Love it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the first one got it right. Let's go. Keep going. Keep scoring out. All right. So so and then there was uh, there were some sightings of again UFOs being unidentified, meaning that let's say I, uh, so deep. Where was this? So was the first sighting in in the United States mainland? Uh, yes, sir. Okay, so, and that's the one around Area 51, am I correct? So, it was in California. Um, I, I wouldn't say it was near, I'm not sure whether it was near Area 51, but the first reported um, official UFO crash was uh, in Roswell, um, which we can right, get to right. after. That's yeah. which we're going to talk about soon. Of course, we'll talk about Roswell uh, later on, but, but for now, after that, basically, what else, uh, what else happened? Yeah, so, so basically, so... There was a bunch of phenomena together, but essentially it got to the point that the, 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 the public became aware to a degree and it spread through propaganda, through, through, through fears of aliens, for example, and other, other, other means. So, so the, this, the version that we have today probably is million times refined over time by different people. Uh, by the way, we don't have a version. It's just like multiple probably branches of this, this, this whole thing. And, uh, and, and yeah, so it, the start is post-World War II. Now the question, uh, it begs the question, why post-World War II? What was so special about that? And uh, what, are the, what are the ramifications of all that, which we're going to talk about with Deep, obviously. 
Of course, of course. And uh, I don't know about, you know, you guys, but nowadays I think we are not hearing as much about UFOs as probably our parents and grandparents heard about it, you know, in the uh, 20th century. But still, it's happening right now. But uh, I would like to know more about this uh, issue by, you know, delving a little deeper and discussing, you know, earlier you mentioned Rosewell. So let me move on here to Deep. And uh, I want to ask you right now, buddy, about the whole Rosewell incident. So exactly what was it? What happened and uh, what basically took place during this incident? Sure. So, um, yeah, uh, Roswell, as one can imagine, has a sort of big role in ufology or ufology uh, history. The reason why is because there is uh, something grounded in truth about it. The one thing and that one ground truth is the fact that on July 8th of 1947, uh, the U.S. military put out a paper saying that they had recovered a crashed flying disc. And wow. th yes, uh, this is you, even this is even available on the Wikipedia page. They do not hide this fact. This was the very first thing we heard about the Roswell incident came from the U.S. military themselves, admitting that it happened. Now, get wow. this. Yeah. By the end of the day, 12 hours later, they issued a sort of threatening a uh, letter to all of the uh, editors that they had been working with to rescind those papers the next day by publishing a new set of papers. So these papers had already been published. They're out there in the public. People are talking about it. But then the very next day, they uh, the new newspapers were saying that uh, Roswell had recovered a weather balloon. There was nothing to see here, essentially. They held a press conference um, shortly after showing like a crash weather balloon and with like sticks and it was ridiculous. Uh, it was the most uh, suspicious thing, uh, you know, that a government oh could do. <laughs> so that, well, I, yeah, yeah. That's right. It. But what you're saying is, uh, are, are these things documented or they're, maybe they're shrouded in mystery and rumors? Um, what specifically? the? Well, in uh, terms of like uh, yeah. seeing and witnessing these uh, flying objects, because let's be honest, earlier you mentioned about how these things were reported, but this happened, uh, remember, in 20th century. So the technology back then was not as advanced as today is. So, uh, I mean, you yourself, do, do you really believe that uh, such incidents that have been uh, reported throughout history, were they necessarily so accurate? Because I myself, I'm, I'm a little bit suspicious about the whole notion uh, of uh, UFOs and whether or not they actually really exist. Um, so I think I mean, uh, one thing that I interject before you go ahead is that the Roswell incident was actually a crash. So it's not like you're, uh, you're, you're looking right. at a flying object going across the sky. So it's actually physically there. So what exactly was that item? I mean, what exactly was the, uh, you know, it was like just a disc? Um, that's right. So it was a disc wedged into the ground. Um, it had supposedly, and this is from uh, people who had claimed to be uh, insiders or whatever. Um, you don't have to take it, obviously, for face value. But yeah, um, the initial crash, though, uh, there was a crash and people claimed that there were also bodies involved. And there was technologies that were covered that we still to this day have in our possession. Um, oh, and my. And uh, yeah, uh, the thing is, and that's where I can sort of like, I can't, I obviously cannot confirm I'm in no position to, I don't at all uh, to say that uh, this happened, right? I can't just say, look, this definitely happened. Uh, these materials exist. What I can tell you though, is my experience with people who are working with materials who come, uh, and those materials come from people who claimed uh, directly came from Roswell. And these materials are very advanced materials. We're talking things that we still can't re-engineer uh, to this day. 
Yeah. Wow. So, good point. So, and, point. and this is stuff that uh, I was just telling Puya before this. Uh, there are certain things that I know that, like, the average Joe just doesn't. And they will eventually. That doesn't mean that they won't. But um, just because of my sort of, like, uh, I've been proactive. I've also been uh, sort of had the privilege of uh, interacting with a lot of scientists who have directly worked with these materials and some of these recovered crash stuff. So, yeah. Wow. Interesting. Good points. Uh, Hands-on experience in this regard. But uh, earlier you mentioned ufology. I had no idea there's a science dedicated to this whole thing. Uh, Puya, what do you know about U ufology exactly? What is the science? Well, study of UFOs, right? <laughs> so yeah, I, think, I wouldn't, uh, and I wouldn't say society. There are scientists who dedicate their entire, you know, academic time to studying UFOs. I mean, do we really have this right now, officially, like taught and let's say uh, University I, of Toronto or something? I think Deep says it doesn't consider it a science, right? Yeah, it's not. It's, it's totally not a science. Uh, yeah. oh, what it is okay. is a subject. Yeah, no, not yet. Uh, it will be. I guarantee <laughs> it in like five years or ten years. Really? Wow. So hold on a second, guys. Our listeners be advised that Deep just mentioned that in five to ten years, you will apply for your PhD in ufology. You, you better start writing papers, man, right away. Start getting busy analyzing. I, the I, I would say so. And let me ask you, uh, Deep, why do you think that's the case? Why do you think ufology becomes, a, you know, an official field in the future? Like, do you expect any some sort of extraterrestrial contact or something? No, because in my opinion, that's already happened. That's been happening. It's not, that's nothing new to anybody who, I know that nobody needs to believe me, right? Or like, uh, I'm just a random person. But that being said, I think what our PhDs and masters will be on is understanding the science behind how these things work, how they fly, how they're able to totally kick our Navy asses. Uh, like wow. we'll go into, uh, that requires very, very very deep technical expertise and even then you may not be able to advance uh, your understanding of how these things work like progress in this field is very slow reverse engineering how this stuff works it's very difficult so a phd in ufology will be like for the hardcore scientists who are open to just not succeeding their entire phd wow incredible of course earlier in one of our uh, previous episodes uh, we talked about, uh, you know, moving to space and uh, life in other planets. And we discussed there the importance of having Space Force, which is now a new it's, if you will, in armed forces. And you mentioned earlier that these, these technologies can kick ass uh, basically all of the Navy stuff that we have right now. It's true. But uh, what if we somehow at some point move to the, the Space Force? I mean, uh, do you think if we ever move to that level of technology, we can actually be able to uh, discover more about these issues and uh, somehow find more about these UFOs? Or do you think yes. that this is just a matter of randomness? I mean, has there been any, in a recent, let's say in the past few years, anything recorded officially by NASA, by other types of organizations uh, regarding any UFOs? Or it, this issue still remains uh, mainly in the 20th century? Uh, it's far beyond the 20th century. What we have now is very hard, uh, unequivocal scientific data from sensors that are worth millions of dollars, both old and new sensors. For example, there's a Nimitz incident. This is an incident that happened in 2004. The paper on it was published uh, just um, under two months ago. So it's very recent. It's 270 pages of uh, pure scientific analysis. The data came from these sensors uh, that were provided um, from the military. Uh, the Navy and pilots involved also offer their interviews and collaborations with the scientists who wrote their paper on it uh, throughout the whole time. It took three years uh, to write this paper and 270 wow. papers 
is monstrous. Nobody writes a paper that big in academia. So, and never heard this 270 paper. pages for a paper, man. That's incredible. <laughs> exactly, wow. right? So, so, and uh, if you look at it, and like I met these people in, in person, right? Some of these scientists That's are right. very intelligent. I, you know, like I, and I, I went down there in part, like I went to this one place. Uh, this private conference for scientists who were being briefed on some of the physics behind these things and the backstory and how certain other aspects of the UFO phenomena by uh, people affiliated with the Pentagon uh, and NASA. Um, so that's where I met these scientists. And the whole point is that we, um, these people are trying to bring uh, real scientific uh, data to the forefront so that the rest of the scientific community can also get in on this and start to learn about it and realize that it's not, uh, you know, we're well beyond just uh, horse say, you know, you know what I mean? Hair say. Wow. Interesting. Very good. So before I move on. Yeah, to and on that, I think. That's right. Go sorry. Ahead, go ahead. Just, go ahead. I just want to interject something on this. And so I was on the camp, to be honest with, with you. Of, uh, actually, I was talking to, to Deep about this right before. Um, I, I, first of all, right now, I'm super agnostic on all of the subject. But I was on the camp that I wasn't taking any of it really seriously, and um, so I feel and and I and then I met uh, Deep, and I realized that well, it's a little bit into our uh, meeting uh, uh, that he's he uh, he actually has interest in this, and he started talking about it. We we talked a little bit, and so this was a refresher for me because Deep is a very intelligent and to me completely normal psychologically <laughs> in everything, and I was like, well. Maybe there is something to this, and maybe we need to talk about this a little bit. So, because I'm sorry, this is what I'm trying to say. Once you first talked to Pujix about this whole year of <laughs> things, and actually, you were being considered as uh, you know as a crazy guy. Sorry about that. Just happened. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk so much about no, the this. opposite. Like, the opposite. This guy's really normal. <laughs> no, he looks normal. Yeah, that's good. All right. Joke is just actually the opposite because. So this is what I'm trying to say is because our conversation in the public sphere around this is on two extremes, and these two extremes never talk to each other. And that's one extreme that is uh, all around the pr propaganda and all that, and, and another is about uh, conspiracy theory. So some, right. some are delving into it deep, and a lot of them are actually really not jobs. Um, and, and, and then on the other ex uh, end of the spectrum, you have these people who are, are just talking about how uh, uh, conspiracy theory this is, in, in essence, and there's nothing to it, etc. And now this is a fresh, fresh voice for 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 me to be honest. When when I see somebody intelligent and 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 normal, such as Deep, uh, is is go is going and 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 objectively and and with a agnostic view and and uh, which is which is the thing we want to have to talk about. This. So. So I appreciate that, and that's that's what we're talking about. Today. Very nice. So for now, number Thank one, you. we know that Deep is a normal person who's not a psychopath or a crazy guy. Number one, <laughs> number two, I know that Pujis by now, maybe you're still basically uh, a bit uh, somehow suspicious about the whole thing, right? I mean, do you right now believe in UFOs' existence as of now? I'm I'm hundred percent agnostic on this. I don't say that they don't, and I don't say they do. Well, like, let no. me just move on to uh, Deep here, and I'm going to ask him about Project Blue Book. Maybe that'll somehow convince you to change your mind. So. Uh, Deep, tell us right now, what is exactly Project Blue Book? So Project Blue Book was a uh, government investigation. It was the last time, second to last time, the government was ever public about investigating UFOs. Uh, this was in the 50s. 
uh, to 60s. And what they did was the project lead was an astrophysicist named Dr. Hynek. And Dr. Hynek was a guy who went to, and his job was essentially to figure out if these UFOs were actual UFOs or if they had explainable reasons behind them. Um, in Project Blue Book, they concluded that uh, out of all 10,000 cases, there were 700 that remained unexplained, but that they most likely had prosaic explanations. They closed mm -hmm. the entire project down and they said that the Pentagon uh, no longer uh, has any interest in UFOs. They determined that they pose no threat to national security. Um, and they claimed on record, on the book, for nearly 70 years straight since then, that uh, they were not interested in UFOs up until AA tip. In the end of in, uh, winter of 2017, uh, the Pentagon, for the first time ever, uh, came out and said, well, jokes, we actually had the secret program uh, for the last 20 years, um, sorry, last decade at least, uh, that has been investigating these things. Um, and the things that we're talking about are like far more advanced than anything and under human capability. And then you have this huge snowball effect. That's, and then that's where you had like guys like me coming in, listening to this and getting interested, doing my own research, and then finally being reached out to and reaching out to uh, some of the key uh, sort of military and high up Pentagon DOD officials um, involved. Um, and since then, like a lot more people, governments all around the world are in on this. Like Canada is, is as well. They know what's up. Uh, there's some, yeah, uh, let's just say that like it's interesting because th it's because to a layman, it might not seem like a lot that the Pentagon <laughs> backtracked after 70 years uh, to wow. claim finally that they're doing it. And now if you look, if you Google UFO news, right, just UFO Navy on news right now, you'll see since May, there's been a huge surge of mainstream media uh, covering stories where the Navy pilots had clearance to talk about their UFO incursions. Every single wow. one of these UFO incursions are absolutely mind-blowing. They are impossible to build from an engineering perspective. And it's why people like me are even entertained, in my opinion. It's why uh, I'm privy to certain private information, because they are they need help. They can no longer just keep it to themselves. Like, I see it. Everyone sort of acknowledges it indirectly. Um, but, yeah. So, it's not, so I just want to say, it's not about believing whether UFOs exist or not. It doesn't matter whether we do. The government does. And they, so we need to work from there and we need to see, all right, what are they claiming? What these vehicles that they claim to be coming into contact with after doing all their crazy due diligence and then clear, like the Navy can't speak to the public without any, uh, without clearance, right? They can't even tell That's you right. that they, what they have for breakfast without. So if they're telling us that they have no control in their airspace, that says something. And uh, interesting. Wow. Yeah. So there's a recent surge in terms of their activities. And of course, that seems a lot like Pentagon. Something like, oh, yeah. come on. We have this is no danger. Forget about it. And like they're seriously working on something with the whole UFO thing. That's pretty very much like Pentagon. I totally get it. Uh, but with that being said, uh, I want to right now, actually, uh, uh, that, that we've talked about this issue. Uh, Pujix, do you yourself personally sense any sort of threat coming from UFOs? And I don't know. Uh, do you That's just generally uh, believe in that, like in terms of the danger that these things might pose to uh, our life on Earth? I mean, I guess that that depends on what you believe them to be uh, in a sense that, OK, if there are actually uh, out, out of worldly objects that are, uh, you know, uh, made by other intelligent species that are obviously far 
intelligence, or maybe they're not necessarily far intelligent. Maybe their technology just went to a different branch and it, they got to this technology that they did. Um, anyway, so meaning that it would, they have something we don't understand, so it could potentially be be something that we, we want to pay attention to. Um, and, I mean, we, we're dealing with countries like North Korea or, or, or other countries, and they have te technologies on par, maybe uh, inferior than what we have, and we're still scared of them. And, and we understand those technologies. So, so if there is such a thing out there, and I'm, and I'm not saying there is, then we might want to be paying attention, yeah. Wow, interesting, very good. Now, before we continue, let me go back here to Deep. Uh, I want to ask you right now, Deep, about metamaterials and what exactly they are and what they have to do with basically uh, with uh, the whole issue of uh, UFOs. So uh, what is metamaterial exactly from your perspective, Deep? Sure. So um, uh, metamaterial is a repeating pattern that we put or inscribe into material so that its overall effect is something different than its individual parts. So like, let's say, for example, I could build a metamaterial with a negative refractive index. That means yes, that right. it would bend it would bend light in a negative direction, which means that I would that would be an invisibility cloak right there. Right. So if you could build a metamaterial with that repeating pattern where your index is negative, uh, yeah, you get that cloak. So uh, mm -hmm. similarly, um, the thing that we're dealing with here, however, uh, so how it relates to craft is this, right? The entire craft could be made up of metamaterials. It should be in theory, or it could be in theory, made up of materials that have very, very, very special properties, um, only uh, under certain unique conditions that you would need to know really, really high and advanced um, levels of technology, like science and math, uh, to build it. Wow. Interesting. You're actually scaring me a little bit about how much technologies uh, the aliens might have. I mean, we've been seeing a lot of these things uh, through uh, basically uh, pop culture for the past uh, decades. And uh, for the most part, we just, uh, you know, make fun of these things like this is just entertainment. But recently I was watching, a, you know, a comedy show, basically, and they talked about the fact that uh, I don't know exactly, uh, because you guys are much better at this. It was they, they've seen a black hole and they took an image of a black hole or something, I believe. Yeah, you got it. And then uh, they realized something like that exactly was imagined by a movie or something way in the, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And uh, this makes you wonder whether or not this whole UFO thing and this, these alien stories that we hear and we see uh, in movies and stuff uh, generally have some uh, degrees of truth to them. So that's definitely the story. And uh, what I want to right now talk about is uh, how do you think these issues, uh, the whole UFO thing can actually uh, affect uh, basically our societies uh, as well as economies and technologies one by one. Uh, but first of all, I'm going to go, uh, basically uh, somehow, uh, before I, I go any further, I would like to uh, somehow uh, get your perspective, uh, Pujix, about the societal implications of UFOs. And what do you think the presence uh, of UFOs uh, basically could do to our societies uh, in the U.S. and, of course, uh, all around the world? I mean, I mean, we have a mini, uh, at least societal, we have a mini uh, experiment with that, uh, with the 20th century and all the secrecy around uh, all that that Deep talked about, basically. So, yeah, I mean, it, it spreads panic to a degree. And especially if we don't have a clear cut boundaries of what these things are and uh, your your mind can go wild your world is as big as your your, your imagination so so I, I wouldn't be surprised that it has some aspects like that but at the same time i think um 
um, not not to be too pessimistic to say we need an outside force, a threatening force to unite us, but <laughs> it might actually bring humanity together in, in, in hindsight. Wow. <laughs> but I, I, this is these are our speculations, by the way. I'm just I'm just going with the pop culture na- narrative of these. But things. you're saying like the presence of an alien race attacking the Earth will ultimately allow all the nations to somehow get united. And Donald Trump's like, "All right, guys, no more trade war. We got a more serious problem. So I'm gonna cancel all the trade wars. And now let's go kick these guys in the asses." All right. Well, if if movies are any reference, that's hopefully gonna happen. <laughs> or, or we're gonna kill each other over resources. <laughs> I don't know. That's gonna be pretty cool. So, well, look, what I just do you think want, about yeah. the social impacts. Okay, uh, yeah, that's a it's a very important question to ask, right? I mean, answer right or know about because, uh, like, look, like the technology that we're going to get from this, in my opinion, will be far beyond our imagination and our wildest dreams once we fully understand how to reverse engineer it. Uh, and the more people who work on it, the more people who know about it, the faster we'll get there. But then there's the whole societal implications because let's assume that this we do get full confirmation. The government finally just says it out loud that we're not alone. Uh, what happens then? Some people might uh, rescind their religion. Some people might lose trust uh, in their government a little bit. Not that they're going to do uh-huh. anything about it, in my opinion. Um, and other people, I think, will maybe just even lose interest in their day-to-day lives. I mean, like, what happens when you find out that there's a civilization that's beyond money that's actually managed to get here somehow? Uh, and I can guarantee you they do not care about waking up at 9 in the morning to get to work or 7 a.m. Good. So, so, so what happens then, right? You have, uh, um, yeah, I think the societal implications will be huge. It will be, it will just be like a slow burn. It will be nothing for the first two years or so. Suddenly, 10 years, we're in a totally different golden age. Like, I honestly think we're headed towards a golden age because of this. Oh, my goodness. Amazing. That is to say this is not our golden age. Excellent. Love it. Well, everybody (laughs) has a golden age. But when it comes to UFOs, that's a whole different story. Because, I mean, the very presence of aliens can change. And quite frankly, I would have very much rather an alien would be our president for the United States. It would be a lot better and more fun. (laughs) And probably better at speaking as well. But generally, there's going to be a lot of changes in that regard. So uh, speaking of that, uh, there, I'm pretty sure that the, you know, the impact of UFOs or the presence of alien races won't just affect our societies because it'll also affect the way we approach technology and how we develop them. So uh, let me first move on to Pujas here. Pujas, what do you think are some of the technological implications of the UFOs and their presence? Yeah, I mean, that, uh, again, assuming that these are out-of-worldly technologies, um, I mean, there are some technologies, whether outerworldly or not. Uh, so we understanding them and uh, trying to reverse engineer them and use them would, depending on how sophisticated these things are, which I, which I'm sure people let us let 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 on on us, and then um, I'm dying to talk about that. <laughs> exactly. So I'm not going to take too much time. So you so you can take a whole of the time. But the the, the truth of it is that. Um, Obviously, we want advancements at, at uh, of our technology to, to do right. better things, to do, to do more things. That's the whole 20th and 21st century has been so far. So if they can hedge us further in a, uh, with some sort of reverse engineering of these technologies and an understanding of probably even better understanding of the fundamental physics or, or other sciences, then, wow. then, then it can actually leap us forward by a lot, I, I suppose. 
which I'm going to hand it off to Deep. Now he's going to give us right. details. Of course. So, Deep, why don't you go ahead and give us some uh, you know, further details about how technology might be affected by UFOs and the presence of aliens and their basic technologies on Earth? Sure. Um, and like, like what you said, uh, we're, we're assuming that they're here. I like, obviously, as badly as I want to say they're definitely here, uh, I, I'm going to be cautious, right? And I, I just want to say that it's statistically unlikely that these are ours. The, the flying machines that the Navy are shitting their pants over, uh, like, so to speak. Um, That's right. Yeah, uh, not ours. Uh, and that's because I know some of the background science is well involved. And that's what I'll get into. So um, how it affects uh, technology um, directly, uh, the first things that are going to be affected are propulsion. So what we're looking at right now are materials that seem to demonstrate uh, space-time manipulation and what they call space-time metric engineering. So what, what that uh, means, for example, there's one metamaterial, uh, and this is... I've talked to two individual scientists who have worked on this uh, specific metamaterial. Um, this was this was this came from a cr uh, crash, supposed crashed uh, UFO. So, and again, this technology, the things that we're observing, far far beyond our capabilities. Um, so, this thing, uh, when you fire an electron uh, at it and it's activated, when you activate it and then you fire an electron towards it, as soon as the electron enters its vicinity, it gets towards the destination faster than uh, without it. So what that means is that it's somehow been able to contract space somehow uh, and make it shorter, yeah. even though the only thing that should be able to do that are massive black holes or whatnot. So this thing is able to move and manipulate gravity in ways that we only expected very, very large bodies to, to my understanding. Uh, and now if we were to speculate what this would be really good for, uh, like I said, it's propulsion. So if you can finally negate, for example, most of gravity's effect or nullify yourself in space-time, uh, you can go anywhere on the planet in less than a minute uh, with the wow. right technology. So that's, that's what we're exactly looking what at I thought, right? You know, You were talking about this one, and uh, of course, what I'm about to, about to say is just a work of fiction, but uh, one of the you know fa favorite franchises that we like, uh, basically, Pujus and I, is called The Mass Effect. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that you know, franchise, uh, basically. And in that series, they talked a lot about... Uh, the, the, you know, the concept of fast travel, like very rapid travel, which might allow, for example, humanity to travel distant uh, galaxies uh, very, mm. very rapidly. So are you saying that if at some point, let's say we could uh, somehow there are UFOs and we get their technologies and we somehow yes. uh, reverse engineer them somehow, yep. uh, you're saying that we will then have the ability to travel very rapidly across various galaxies? Without a doubt. And that's what we're going for. That is exactly what the people who are up there, you know what I mean, are aiming for and gunning for because we have this tech. We it is it's not just one party. It, there's at least uh, four or five individual groups out there in the world, uh, three of which are public uh, with these materials. And there these are different materials with different extraordinary properties that we can't recreate. They come from different vehicles. It's it's almost weird how like uh in reach they are. If you really wanted to hold one of these materials, you could probably in less than six months or one year, maybe, get your hands on one. Wow, interesting, pretty cool. And you mentioned about like, uh, you know, the technological aspect and fast traveling. Here's, a, you know, the question that just, you know, uh, somehow dawns on me right now, I just can't fully grasp it. What is exactly driving the damn thing? Like, who is behind the wheel? Are these like some somehow like the drones we use uh, in the US or, you know, all around the world? or 
are they perhaps uh, maybe they have some pilot on and then they just somehow uh, somehow eject out of the thing before it uh, crashes on Earth? Like, who do you think is behind the wheel of these UFOs? Pooja, any ideas? Well, I mean, again, it depends on if you interpret them to be aliens, whether Deep probably has factual uh, think, uh, evidence on this, that whether no, there I were actually any... If, okay, even if never I mind. Have any. <laughs> okay, okay, so classify. Anyways, so <laughs> uh, anyways, so depends whether if we if we presume these UFOs to be alien, then I suppose um, I wouldn't presume if I was if I was going to another planet and um, as as a species as humanity, if I was deciding that I wouldn't want to put a, one of our people in it to to go spy if we had the remote technology. And given the technologies that they have, I don't think remote would be a massive problem for them. So it could be unmanned. Don't know. Deep. Interesting. So let's go to Deep now here. Deep, what is your perspective? What is driving the, these UFOs exactly? Sure. And and I'd just like to say, like, uh, preface, everything I'm about to say is 100% speculation in my own opinion and doesn't represent anybody that I uh, am affiliated with. Oh, so okay. with, with all that in mind... Um, I believe that uh, even if we were to recover, say, biological entities in these craft, let's say that they somehow, I don't know, telepathically control these things. There's no wires. There's no nothing. Um, it's Everything is very brilliantly uh, created. Um, I would say that even if they were biological, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're the original race. Like, I would agree with Puya. There would be no reason for any of these races or civilizations who might have built these things to step down them, uh, themselves. Our environment, there's no way it would be, you know, naturally fit for them. So what I see them doing instead is building second or third generation life forms, which are able to move around, do their own thing. They're totally sentient themselves, but they are fully controlled and telepathically controlled. That would be my opinion. Oh, my goodness. And you kind of talked about like creating different life forms because... Uh, it is not exactly relevant to what we just said, but Elon Musk was once discussing this issue, and he said that he believes AI can develop to a point where it actually becomes like a like an alien race. And now you're talking about uh, you know other alien races creating different life forms that will then allow them to use them in different things, and Very UFOs yeah. might be one of them. Basically, that's quite interesting and uh, incredible. Obviously, when it comes to UFOs, the questions obviously are always there, and. Uh, there has not been a lot of scientific work yet, except for that 270-page paper. Oh, my gosh. Who's going to read that? Uh, but ultimately, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. the, fact, the fact of the matter is there hasn't been uh, a lot done. But you, as you mentioned earlier, th this interest is uh, now somehow being uh, 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 highlighted nowadays in the media. And I'm pretty sure that it has a lot to do with the fact that the U.S. is aiming to uh, somehow move towards a, a space force. So this... Uh, obviously, if you are going to be in a space, you definitely need to. And I'd love to talk about Space Force a bit. That's right. Uh, sh sure. So, um, and you're absolutely right about that. It does have to, well, I would say Space Force has to do more with current events rather than the other way around. So what that means, for example, is that if you uh, go into these stories, like what the Navy is telling us uh, uh, today, as of today, is that there has been an increase uh, over the last four years, a massive increase in how often uh, the Navy and different pilots are encountering these things all over the world, wherever they're flying, whether it's out in the Middle East or they're doing their training exercises out on the coast. And uh, we're talking like some of their units have encountered these things day, almost daily um, wow. for, for some of these. Yeah. So, and, and we're talking things that, by the way, defy the laws of physics. Like they move in ways that reality doesn't allow for. 
And oh, to me, my. that's very disturbing because I haven't yet, I, and I, I have yet to meet a single physicist or engineer who's been able to explain it. And I know we can't. Uh, that's kind of the problem. But we do have some clues now that we have some of these materials in our hands and we've been analyzing them for decades, frankly. Uh, and the public will be like, there's some of it on the, out in the public knowledge anyways, but more will be released, uh, in my opinion, um, over the next couple of months. Uh, wow. regarding metamaterial analysis and what they can do, what these things are going That is incredible. That is incredible because in the uh, Beyond the Present podcast, we're concerned with the uh, you know this whole notion of futurism. And what you're saying right now probably could be the future of not only the Space Force, but what we're going right. to do basically uh, with astrophysics. And because that's a very important subject. If we can uh, I think somehow so. at some point have access to UFOs and be able to somehow re reverse engineer them, this is going to allow us to somehow uh, traverse beyond what our current uh, space vessels and spaceships can do. And that's going to like transform the entire thing. And I totally agree with you. And I generally hope that at some point we'll hear more from this. It's just the beginning, of course. We are all futurists. We right. would like to imagine what's going to happen in the coming five to ten years. But mm -hmm. uh, deep, uh, you, you make your prediction. You put a number here. You said five to ten years. First of all, ufology will become an official science. And then hopefully we're going to see what technology will do to somehow take it to the whole a new level. So uh, that's pretty much all the time we have for now. So why don't we go ahead for a wrap up and uh, summary of the discussion that we had today. I want to first move on to Pujix. Uh, so Pujix, you yourself are an astrophysicist, which means you definitely know a lot more about this than I do. And I want to ask you about your uh, general conclusion to somehow give, a, give our listeners a summary of what was discussed. And more importantly, what is your take on the subject? Right. I mean, um, so I'm going to say something quickly uh, because I want to ask Deep a question too, and I know we're sort of out of time. But um, so, so I think we need to have an open mind around something that there is enough curiosity, uh, puts enough curiosity around something that deserves it. And I don't know if, personally, I don't know if UFOs do uh, did earn that, but I think we're too quick to dismiss them as, as, at the same time. So. So as, as, as a person who is serious about science and technology and, as you mentioned, future and future of our race and, and all that, I think we need to uh, be able to have conversations around them rationally um, and, and using scientific method and, and, and not bark at each other a little bit around the subject. And also, I want to ask Deep to very quickly, because we talked about this right before recording, me and Deep, uh, to, to give us an idea of what the PSYOP uh, is and, and then your final comments. That's right. So first, uh, why don't you go ahead and talk about PSYOP before we go for the final comment? Sure, yeah. So uh, PSYOP is um, like a psychological operation. It's a tool used in psychological warfare, a way to, um, I don't know, trick the public into believing something specific when it never really happened. Like, let's say a false flag, a false school shooting, a false alien attack would be a PSYOP. Mm -hmm. Are you saying that UFOs could be somehow a PSYOP? Uh, I'm saying we can't rule it out, but that doesn't mean that that's what's going on here, un unfortunately, because that's right. Yeah, uh, I have my reasons, but uh, but obviously the truth, time will tell. <laughs> I think we'll find out for ourselves. I'm guessing we want to wait for about okay. five or ten years to see what happens to ufology, and then more importantly, whether they will discover to wait that. that. Long. But yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> that's right. Very well. And uh, deep, of course. Uh, what else do you want to add? What is your conclusion after all of our discussion regarding UFOs? Of course, we really enjoyed uh, your contribution here. But in general, how do you sum up our discussion so far? And what is your final take on the subject? Sure. So I think um, 
first of all, I love the agnostic, uh, sober, rational um, perspective that we took here and way of going about it, where we didn't totally rule out everything uh, and we didn't accept everything either. And we just kind of stuck to what is true. Uh, that's where that that is uh, something that I really like because what I've seen in the past or with other scientists, for example, is that they don't even want to bother addressing the facts, which is very ironic. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, so yeah, I really appreciated that. Uh, I do think that the public should start preparing, maybe just in case if this does end up being the real deal. Uh, prepare mentally, prepare in terms of career, figure that stuff out learn more research, uh, read into the current events even, see what the Navy is talking about, maybe find out why they're telling us these things and what they might be hinting at. And uh, other than that, I'm extremely excited to see how this affects technology because uh, it, it is a huge undertaking. The, the aerospace companies or the companies that are looking at these things, these materials, they know how hard it's going to be. But they're not shying away. They are dealing with it in their own way. They will eventually. So it'll be interesting to see where, where this goes uh, in the near future. Fantastic. It was a very, very uh, great show we had. And I'm so glad to have Deep here. And I'm definitely sure that some we're going to have Deep back here for other similar discussions. You have a lot of great ideas. And of course, uh, we're going to have, uh, I'm pretty sure, one episode about entrepreneurship with you, Deep, discussing startups. But for now, I want to thank you. And of course, uh, you know, the director of the show, Pujix, for your great, uh, basically, comments and ideas. I learned a lot from you guys. Personally, I was not familiar at all with the whole notion, but being here and learning from you guys was a truly wonderful experience. So, Pujix, I want to thank you so much for, first of all, allowing me to uh, somehow uh, meet uh, Deep, uh, basically, and uh, it was a great, great experience. So, thank you so much for that. Thank you. Thanks, both of you for having me. Thank you, Deep, so much for your great ideas and uh, definitely quite refreshing. Sometimes a little bit scary, but definitely worth listening to. And I want to thank you for that as well. Oh, right. Actually, you just remind me. One last comment. Sorry. <laughs> thank thank you. Right. Uh, okay. Just because I think it's, it's that important. If they were going to attack us, if there was somebody to be worried about, in my opinion, we would be dead. They clearly wow. don't plan on it. So just, yeah, think about that. <laughs> so for now, guys, just take it easy and know that even if they do attack, you can't do anything. So just let it go. Exactly. Right. Just get drunk exactly. and wait for it, man. Who cares? All right. Right. Go for All it. Right. Just get drunk and forget about the whole thing. All right, guys. Thank you very much, both right. of you. Bye, it was great to be here. And that is all the time we have for it. It's been a pleasure to have you with us. If you have any comments or ideas on how we can actually improve the show, or if you'd like us to somehow meet certain individuals and pick their brains, please do let us know on our website, and we'll be glad to hear from you. That's all the time we have for it. My name is Daniel Morgan, and this was Beyond the Present Podcast. Thank you.